0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Goldbridge Saves Football Podcast. Our Manchester United back, our Arsenal now in a title race, and are the favourites after a fantastic win against West Ham. And cheated. We're going to be talking about the relegation. Battle in the Premier League and how VAR has now infiltrated that. We've already had it with the title race, the onside goal for Liverpool that was ruled out, the push on Gabriel at St James's Park and now VAR is impacting the relegation race. Millions of pounds, points at stake, we'll be talking about that as well, plus top five Premier League players right now. Lots to get into on the show. Get ready for it but also some sad news. We don't have Will today. He's not able to make it so it's just me which is going to be very interesting because I've only had about three hours sleep after the Super Bowl as well which was fantastic but I'm sort of running on fumes here. But uh, we've got loads to get into and Very, very, very much looking forward to get into it with you as well. So get interactive in the comments, especially with your top five Premier League players right now and your thoughts on everything that's going to come on. And we're still going to play Guess Who. How that's going to work, I don't know, but we'll give it a go. Okay, let's get into it then. Manchester United with a fantastic win at Aston Villa over the weekend. Are they back? What do you say to that, Ten Hag outers? Sit down. And take your medicine, whatever that is, because Manchester United have certainly silenced their critics. In recent weeks, three fantastic wins in the Premier League. They've always struggled, you know, with beating teams away in the top, especially in the top half of the Premier League. But over the last three games, we've been to Wolves, top half. We've been to Villa, top half and one. And we've also beaten West Ham, who are in the top half. So it's not just three big wins in a row for Manchester United that puts them back into the top four race. It's also three wins against teams in the top half of the table. So it's not like people can say when Ten Hag won the Premier League Manager of the Month in, I think it was December or November, oh, he's just beating, you know... Teams from the bottom half of the table. Oh, it's only Sheffield United. Actually, they've been very, very good performances and results. And there seems to be a real uh, synergy to Manchester United at the moment, and hopefully a bit of momentum as well. The top four race looks very interesting. I don't know what your thoughts are, but mine are this. I still would say, even with five points down to five points now, if Villa had beaten Man United yesterday, that gap goes up to 11 points. But five points now, six points off Spurs. Villa and Spurs have got to play each other. So that's an opportunity for United. And of course, most of... I think all three of us have got to play the Liverpools, the Man Cities, and the Arsenals. So there's plenty of points to be played for. But I would still rather be in a situation whereby you've got the points on the table. So look, I'd say United... Look, we're in a race for top four, and and if you'd said to me three weeks ago that we'd even be in this opportunity and situation, I'd have bitten your hands off, quite literally. Actually, not literally. That would be um, that would be a criminal offence and painful, and probably not taste very nice for me either. But it's it's a big big situation for Manchester United because actually the season was drifting towards nothingness, out of Europe before Christmas, not in the Carabao Cup, not in a race for top four looking like you're fighting for Conference League or Europa League football in the league, cut adrift, and actually the season now has a bit of something to it. We're still in the FA Cup and we're still very much in a race for top four and the prize is big. That Champions League's going to change, isn't it, next year? Which means more money, more exposure. It's absolutely essential for Manchester United to be in that. And it just puts a bit of pressure on it, doesn't it? It puts a bit of pressure onto Spurs and Aston Villa. Can they feel that pressure? It's a bit like the Prodigy. Come play the game, I'll test you. And uh, I think United will test it. But look, what I would say as well is, this season, it's not easy to go and win three games in a row. And I also think that injuries have been so fundamental in United's struggles this season. Luke Shaw went off against Villa. Martinez went off against West Ham. So injuries could still have a big impact. United haven't got a left back at the moment. They've only got one striker. So I still think points on the board are good. But having said that, Out of those three teams, only one of them is currently in Europe and that is Aston Villa. And I think they'll take that seriously as well. So look, maybe even fifth place. What do you think about that, actually? Do you think fifth place will get us into the Champions League in in the Premier League this year? Last few years, it would have done. Remember, it's about how your country performs across Europe this season. You will get two bonus places in the Champions League. And over the last five years, I think England has been in the top two for four of the last five years. So if Man City, Arsenal, Villa, Liverpool, Brighton do well in the Europa League, Conference League and the Premier League, that could lead to fifth place being a spot as well. In which case, United have got two bites of the cherry. So have Villa and so have Spurs. So massive, massive weeks ahead. But Man United have certainly made it interesting. And that's what we want in the Premier League. We want it to be interesting. We want a relegation battle. We want a top four battle. And we want a title race. And we've certainly got that at the moment, haven't we? So that's the top four dealt with. I keep feeling like going, Will, what do you think? But I I know I just won't get anything back. Not like normal weeks, but there won't be any audio back anyway. I, I feel sad, but ultimately, let's. I'm actually going to go down here, I'm going to go down on this one. Um, that's not what I meant to say, but you know what I mean. I'm going to go down to the relegation zone because I'm absolutely disgraced by this. And the Goldbridge Saves Football podcast is actually here to do just this. It's here to save football, it's here to do this, it's, do, it's here to do justice. Uh, and that's not me saying do this in Irish, just this. No, just this in Irish, just this. I'm actually mean, just this. Anyway, I'm here to do justice and I'm here to do justice in relation to something you probably won't see that much of from the mainstream, but you'll certainly see it here because that's what we're here to do. Goldbridge Saves Football Podcast. We're here to highlight the big things. We've got Pratt of the Week as well. There's some big contenders in there this week, but this was an absolute outrage. Remember, remember, We've spoken numerous times this season about VAR and how it's had a massive impact on a lot of teams. Wolves, those fans will be shouting, and other clubs as well. But we already know that the Premier League, and we're going to talk about the top of the table in a minute, and Arsenal, incredible, absolutely incredible win against West Ham, and they're right up there now. But as we look at the top of the Premier League, we already know. 54 points for Liverpool, 52 points for City, 52 points for Arsenal. Man City win their game in hand, 55. If that finishes like that, which it won't do because they're not going to lose all their games, but imagine a scenario where Man City win the league by a point and then you've got Liverpool a point behind them and Arsenal three points behind them. That scenario will haunt the PGMOL and Howard Webb forever because it will always be the Premier League that has got no integrity because a goal that should have been given against Spurs for Liverpool, wasn't given. And who, who knows whether they would have got one point or three points. But, you know, it would have been massive. And that's the danger and of the integrity of this Premier League season at the moment. Because we already know that there are VAR decisions causing massive, 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 massive uncertainty. And uh, certainly, I think a few, you know, sleepless nights, hopefully, if they've got a conscience. But at the weekend, we also saw it in the relegation battle. And we have to highlight it because it was shocking. Um, cheated, I would say, Nottingham Forest were on Saturday night against Newcastle. Let me set the scene. It's 2 2. It's the city ground. It's dark. I can't remember what the weather was like. I didn't actually watch it. I saw the highlights and thought, I'm going to really go to town on that. But it doesn't matter matter if you saw it or not. All you needed to see was the replay. And the replay was absolutely shocking. Look at the league table at the moment. Nottingham Forest are potentially facing a points deduction from FFP. They've got 21 points. They are two points ahead of the relegation zone. They could have another three points in this situation. What happened was an absolute outrage. It's two-two. The strike for Nottingham Forest is running through. There's a bit of a bit of a contact with the Newcastle centre back, but Depravka quite clearly cleans him out. Anthony Taylor step forward. The usual can the, the usual suspect. Anthony Taylor steps forward. No penalty. You can see. You can. You, this is an audio podcast. You can imagine him doing it with his hands. No penalty. VAR will rescue them. Surely VAR will come in and and, and and make everything OK, we all think. Absolutely not. No, no, no. No penalty to Nottingham Forest. And of course, Newcastle will go and win the game. The next day, in the very next Premier League scheduled game, Saka's running through on goal. Slight contact on the ankle. Penalty given by the referee. VAR. Penalty. Where's the consistency? Where's the justice? And again, I ask the question, where's the integrity of this Premier League? Two very similar penalty situations in the same league, in the same weekend, and you get one outcome completely different to the other. Where's the consistency? Where's the integrity? And now we've got a relegation battle, and I'm sure there'll be more of these, but now you've got a relegation battle where Nottingham Forest can quite rightly look at it and go, if we go 3-2 ahead against Newcastle at home, we at least probably get a point. We maybe even get three. They get absolutely nothing. How big could that be at the end of the season? And it would be an injustice. It would be a downright disgrace if this was not highlighted because it's massive. It's absolutely massive. And some of you might be quite tired about this and say, oh, I'm bored of talking about this. But you can't be bored of talking about this. You have to take it on on, on, on. On the level that it is. And the level is that, that that certain teams are getting cheated in this Premier League season by what can only be described as absolutely, incredibly bad incompetence. And that's what it is. And all I will say is that he's running through on goal. It's clearly a penalty. He's running through on goal. It's clearly a penalty. One of them gets given and one of them doesn't. And, and, and it comes down to the same old thing I would rather VAR at this moment in time was run by an an AI computer program that is more than capable of computing loads of decisions across the season and going, that's a penalty because that was a penalty last week. That's a red card because that was a red card last week. But what we have is this scenario where game to game, VAR just wants to protect their mate. So when Anthony Taylor says it's not a penalty, VAR looks at it and goes, It is a penalty, but is it clear and obvious? Let's stick with Anthony and say no. And in the next game, the referee gives the penalty on Saka. VAR looks at it and goes, probably is a bit soft, little bit of contact, but it's not clearly and obviously a dive. Let's stick with it. And what we end up with this is is this subjectivity, which leads to inconsistency, because basically VAR should be stepping in and going, Anthony, that's a foul, mate. You've got to give the penalty. And then the Saka one, There's contact there. It's a foul. And then you get the consistency. So it's wrong. It's a disgrace. And Nottingham Forest have been cheated. And I think a lot of teams will feel like this this season. I've never known a league season like it. It's a disgrace. And the integrity of the league is massively, massively suffering for it. And that's what we're here to do on this podcast is call out that sort of thing in this league. So let us know what your comments are on that, because it's becoming the sad thing is it's becoming the norm. It's becoming the norm in this league and and it's not acceptable by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I want to talk about the top of the Premier League as well, but I just want to segue into this point here because we've got Pratt of the week to come. But I also wanted to just bring in top five Premier League players in the Premier League at the moment. I was asked this at the weekend and I thought this would be a great little topic on the podcast where people can drop their comments in let us know what you think on this because I'm I've got a definitive top five you might agree with it you might not but I agree with it because it's my choice and I'm not changing it and you can moan about it in the comments but I'm not for changing because there will obviously be some variations of course you've got to take into account um form but I've really just gone on ability on this who I think are the top five best players in the Premier League I've not ranked them in any order that probably would have been a good idea to do, but I didn't. I, I just went definitively with this five. So they're not in any order, but might I suppose I better rank them, actually. Um, that's going to take me a couple of seconds in my head. OK, I'm going to rank them. I'm going to go, you're number one, you're number three, you're number two, you're number four, and you're number five. OK, number five, Saka at Arsenal. I just think he's such an incredible player with amazing consistency and he's been doing it a, a, for the last two or three years for Arsenal, taking on that responsibility. He is the Salah of Arsenal and um, such a focal point of their team. Recency bias recently, funnily enough, has been, a you know, sort of, Slating him a little bit, but I think his consistency over the last three years, especially, I think he's a fantastic player and and he's a major, major, major player for England in the Euros in the summer. So I'd have Saka at number five. Uh, Number four, I'm going to go with Erling Haaland, uh, best striker in the league. Not taking anything away from him because people would say, well, if he's the best striker in the league, why is he not number one? But strikers score goals and he's very, very good at it. But the players I've got ahead of him, I think, are more technical players. So I've got Erling Haaland as number four, who potentially is the best striker in the world, in my opinion, as well. So if he's the best striker in the world, why is he not the best player in the Premier League? Because, as I said, I've got more technical players ahead of him. He's a fantastic goal scorer. He's my number four. Uh, Number three, I've got uh, Son at Spurs. Um, Massive, massive fan of his and have been for years. I think if he was playing for Liverpool or playing for Man City... You know he probably would be winning the big accolades that he can't win at Spurs, but uh, I think he's a fantastic player, son, and uh, I'd argue his place in the top five any day of the week and on a Sunday. Number two, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, like him or loathe him, does anybody loathe him? I don't know. I don't know why I said that. Actually, he's a he's a very good player. Um, yeah, he is. And and on a, and after Super Bowl weekend, where we're, we're admiring the genius of the quarterback Patrick Mahomes as he wins his third Super Bowl. Um, I think with Kevin De Bruyne, you've got that player now who's just almost like a quarterback in football. He can just ping these passes and shots. And yeah, his experience has been uh, an ability has been in, invaluable for Man City in recent weeks. So I'd still say Kevin De Bruyne is in the top five primary players at the moment. and I'd certainly have him at number two. And the number one might not be a surprise to everybody, but of course it has to be Scott McTominay. The goal's Speak for themselves, you know, and, and I'd argue this with anybody. But on a serious note, I think, yeah, won't surprise many. Might surprise me because it's a Liverpool player, but that in itself just tells you how good I think he is that I'm picking a Liverpool player. Uh, Mo Salah, I think he is the best player in the Premier League and I think he's proven himself that with consistency and quality. And... Um, I think he's going to have a massive part in this Premier League title as well, as we've seen Kevin De Bruyne come back. Liverpool have been doing well without him, but I think with Salah back, it's important they get him back and he would be who I think is currently the best player in the Premier League. So that's my five. Salah, Son, De Bruyne, Haaland and Saka. What's your top five? Let me know. Um, Anyway, back on to more topical action. Weren't Arsenal incredible at the weekend? We did a poll on that statement and it was actually 50-50 because some people don't want to acknowledge Arsenal did well at the weekend and are doing well. In fact, I think there's some people in the Arsenal fan base that don't want to acknowledge this, which I find quite interesting because we've got this with Manchester United at the moment. There's, there's an element of our fan base that's made their mind up on Eric Ten Hag and there was numerous clips floating around on Twitter actually yesterday and tweets as well of reactions from United fans, inverted fingers, uh, fingers, because after the winner against Wolves when Maynou scored, after the winner when McTomney scored against Aston Villa, both those goals very late on and these people who are Manchester United fans reacting with almost resigned defeat because I presume... They're not over the moon that United have won late on because they want to get rid of the manager. Is that not a sad modern phenomenon in the game? Let me know your thoughts on this because it's something I've seen creeping in more and more where people sort of get locked into the stubbornness and ego of being right that it takes away from their enjoyment of what they're actually in football for to support your team. Um, It really genuinely does happen and it's not exclusive to Manchester United. It's actually happening with Arsenal fans. I see people on social media who are Arsenal fans who are still, and they're still talking about it, even though he's taken a team. Look, granted, the first couple of years were a bit shaky. The t-shirts were printed, and I think some people thought they could get him out of the football club and he deserved to go. But in the last couple of years, got them back into the Champions League, title race last year, title race again this year. But there still seems to be that element of the Arsenal fan base that just aren't in on Arteta, see it with the Chelsea fan base as well, you know, Poch is the biggest fraud ever, sack him now and bring Jose back. Look, it's always going to be about opinion, but I do think that it is a bit more of a modern phenomenon because of the access to social media, maybe, I don't know, but I I think it takes away the enjoyment. I've never had this, And, and, and it's incredible, because over the last 10 years, we've sacked so many managers, you'd almost get used to that cycle of going, get him out, get him out. But I've just never been about that. Never been about that. I think always you want your team to win. You want your team to win because I'm long in the tooth and to know that really, when a manager needs to go, they will go. You know, a a reprieve win won't save them in the long term. So look, back on course, Arsenal beat Liverpool last week. Didn't fancy them to beat West Ham. I I don't think me either, me or Will predicted they would win that game. In fact, anybody I spoke to thought that that would be a tough game for Arsenal and typical that they beat Liverpool and then they go to West Ham and they don't win. They're 4-0 up at half-time. They win the game 6-0. And at this point, I think you've just got to acknowledge the fact that this is incredible from Arsenal. I don't think they've got the squad that Man City have got. In fact, I don't think it. I know it. And I don't actually think they've got the same squad as Liverpool. And yet here they are, two points off the top, two big wins. They've got a good run of fixtures now all the way through till when they play Man City in April. I look at it and I go, when they go to the Etihad in April, they should be at least three points close to Man City in April, which means another title race all the way through the season. And if they're in the latter stages of the Champions League, that is incredible because I still look at Arsenal and I still don't think they can win the league because they haven't got a striker. They're so reliant on Declan Rice in that midfield in relation to if anything happens to him, who who plays. And I, I still don't think they've got fullbacks. So look, I think what Arsenal are doing is incredible at the moment. Who do you think is actually title favourites? I mean, it's still got to be Man City. But I tell you what, Man City have got a good couple of fixtures still. But then they've got Liverpool. I think they've got a few games in between that that could be potentially difficult. They've got Man United. I expect them to beat us, to be fair, at the Etihad. But they've got Arsenal at the start of April as well. So the next few weeks are going to be massive. I'd still say Man City or Liverpool for the title. But if Arsenal can hang in there, could the unbelievable happen? I think if they had Ollie Watkins up front, and I, I don't mean Ollie Watkins, I mean that type of striker, then I'd give him a shout. But yeah, not for me, but I, I but I think not acknowledging how well Arsenal doing, are doing at the moment is, um, is harsh on them because I think they're doing a fantastic job. Um, and I think as well, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, they benefited from January. At Christmas, I think they were running out of energy, but in January, they hardly played any games. Obviously, they were knocked out of the cup as well. So they sort of got two weekends off. And I think we've seen the value of that rejuvenation that you get when you have time off. And Arsenal have come back so, so revitalised and Saka looks like a different player. Um, I'll tell you what as well Arsenal have done. This deserves a shout out. I don't agree with the way... The PGMOL have run this Premier League season. I think it's been a catastrophe. But what they did do halfway through the season is change the rules on goalkeepers, which you shouldn't do because it's unfair on everyone in the first half of the season that didn't get those decisions go their way. But since that James Trafford foul for Burnley against Luton, we now know that you can barge into a goalkeeper and it's not a foul. Arsenal have done brilliant with this on set pieces. You know, Ben White did it at the weekend on Areola and then Saliba's there on the back post. Uh, We saw it with Crystal Palace as well. These are not fouls. We might think they're fouls because they used to be, but they're not fouls anymore. And Arsenal have put a lot of work into the training ground and you see it on corners. They're putting people on the goalkeeper just to knock them off their balance, which takes the goalkeeper out of the game. And then basically, if the cross is good enough, it's about who can win a header and... Gabriel and Saliba have done really, really well in relation to this. So look, Arsenal are cooking at the moment. They've got momentum and I think a lot of people were writing them off, myself included um, in relation to a title race but they've gone and got two massive wins against Liverpool and West Ham and they put themselves right back in amongst it. Next few games for Arsenal, Burnley away Newcastle, sorry Burnley away Sheffield United uh, away this is not in any order actually like we've got 17th, so okay Burnley away, Newcastle at home Sheffield United away, Brentford at home, Chelsea at home, Man City away. So some very, very winnable games for them there, I think. Um, We're going to do some either-ors, which I'm sort of going to set up and uh, answer myself. But let's do Pratt of the Week. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three... So there's a few good Pratt of the Week contenders for you this week and I have to start off with one that's very close to my heart. It annoyed me. I think I've become quite mellow in my, um, um, certainly on That's Football and 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 I think in the main on the United stand recently, I think I've become a lot more mellow in my ability not to get wound up by things unless it's anything to do with VAR. But I tell you what, Douglas Louise absolutely got me going in the wrong way in the Villa-Man United game. That goal he scored and gets down on his hands and knees and shaking his shoulders at Varane. It was actually at a United player. Initially, I thought he was doing it to the crowd behind the goal. He was doing it at a Man United player. And I thought, that is shithousery of the highest order. I would love it if it came back and bit him in the arse. And of course, it did. It did. Um, we've seen Morpé doing this a lot recently and it's bit him on the arse every time he's done it with his celebrations or winding up Kyle Walker and Douglas Louise got what I call the biggest dose of justice medicine we've seen of the season and it was absolutely fantastic. But it doesn't negate the fact that yes, you are a contender for Pratt of the week because at 1-1, with a long time to go, dancing in front of a player is never a good look and actually, it didn't work out that well in the end. So take your dance in off to Strictly come dancing. It's not welcome on the Premier League field. You absolute prat. Um, I've got, I've got the, 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 some of these are actually wills. So he's got second contender for Prat of the week, Mark Goldbridge for bigging up Luton Town after slating them all season. What? Well, there's nothing wrong with that because uh, I realise that the, my demograph in Luton is not as high as it could be. Um, just a glimpse of where my demograph does quite well, i.e., most listeners in the UK. We've actually got a very strong demographic in Newcastle, Liverpool, Sheffield and Leeds, which is quite surprising for a Manchester United fan. But in Luton, it is severely lacking. So um, me and Will and the producers were talking about this and I said, look, what can I do to be more popular in Luton? And uh, other than opening up uh, a Greggs, um, not me opening up the Greggs, but they open up a brand and I just come in Cut the ribbon and say welcome to Greg's in Luton. Um, actually, just being nicer about Luton town was suggested. I I I I I I I posed this uh, and then realised this would be better than having to go to Luton and opening up a new branch of Greg's. So here I am, uh, bigging up Luton. But look, I think with Luton, I've said it before. I listened to their chairman back in October, and he was saying we've put this plan in place that we will start to get most of our points in the second half of the season. And when I saw it happening, I thought, well, you know what? That's not just pure luck. They've they've actually put a plan in place here. And um, as I said about the relegation battle in VAR and that Nottingham Forest thing... There is a relegation battle. And I think, you know, wrongly, a few weeks ago, I was like Luton and Sheffield United and Burnley are just all going to go down. There's no contest. It's going to be the worst relegation battle in ever, ever. And Luton have made a fist of it. So I applaud them for that because as a fan of football, I love football and the podcast is all about that. We want to be talking about relegation battles in April as much as we want to be talking about title races and top four races as well. So Luton have certainly deserved the credit. I mean, I've got to say, Having beaten Brighton and you know scored four goals at Newcastle and getting a draw there and beating Newcastle at home recently as well, I thought Sheffield United at home would be a straightforward three points for them. But you know this Premier League is so unpredictable, isn't it? Uh, as I've said a few times, if you had an accumulator at the weekends, you need you need investigating because some of those results were just completely out of the blue, weren't they? Like Brent, Brentford winning at Wolves was a shocker, but Sheffield United beating Luton. If you're Luton, you sort of look at that and go, all the good stuff we've done, and that's a sort of a massive six-pointer really and they don't win it but the way Luton are playing at the moment I don't necessarily think that that puts them in perilous danger and I can sort of see why Sheffield United won that and I was pleased for them because you're watching the highlights they had a lot of good chances I personally think Sheffield United went into that game and thought look we came up with Luton there's nothing to fear here let's go and express ourselves and they were up for it and uh, they deserve to win it but uh, no Luton deserve a bit of credit at the moment because they've got themselves up more than I mean, Burnley for me are an embarrassment. Uh, I, I just I don't understand why they haven't sacked company. Like w- since when has Burnley had a philosophy for good football? And it's almost like they're going. We don't care that we're crap and we're going to get we're going to get relegated because we've got a manager that plays football the right way. And we'll enjoy doing that in the Championship because that's where you're going to go. I mean I, I don't understand that. But Luton have made a go with it. Go with it, and uh, long may that continue. Um, so I'm not going to be a prat for that. Reaction to West Ham fans leaving the ground early when they're 4-0 down? I, again, look, I don't I don't know what your thoughts are on leaving early. There was a lot of them leaving at 4-0. Um, you pay your money. It's a Sunday afternoon. You probably think, I could be in the garden picking some weeds out or I could be, you know, down Costa having a cup of coffee or I could be back at home playing AFC or I could be, you know, loads of things you could be doing. You're 4-0 down to Arsenal at half-time. Do those fans have their heads switched on? I mean, why, You know, some people will be saying it's a disgrace you should stay till the end and support your team. Why? These, the team is a bunch of multi-millionaires who have let you down. Why should you stay and watch it? I think everyone's got the right to do it. I've never really noticed it as much as I have done this season, but it seems to be more of a common phenomenon. I mean, ideally, you don't want people doing it, but questioning why they're doing it, I think we're missing a trick here because are they wrong to do it? Why should they stay and do it? I mean, they're 4-0 down. They're not going to come back from that. Of course, if they did come back from that, those fans look like a bunch of prats. But I don't think they can be proud of the week because they actually got it wrong, didn't they? And our final contender is Harry Kane for moving to Germany. Well, again, I sort of disagree with this because Harry Kane, he ain't Mystic Meg. Um, Rest in peace, she's dead actually in real life. But, you know, she used to predict the future. Um, and sound like an owl. She used to do the National Lottery show. She'd go, tonight could be lucky for you too. Um, that was a gig really. But um, And I don't think she ever predicted anything. Um, but she probably couldn't predict Christmas in December. Anyway, Harry Kane could never have predicted that Spurs were suddenly going to go from one of the most boring teams in the league to one of the most entertaining teams in the league. Uh, he had a choice to go to Bayern Munich or stay at Spurs and you you, you just wouldn't have predicted that. So I think, it's, I think he made the right choice. Obviously Bayern Munich lose to Leverkusen on Saturday night. It's a five-point gap at the top and people are now saying Harry Kane's made the wrong choice. What you've got to remember is Dortmund should have won the Bundesliga last year. They were at home on the final day and they lost. If they'd won, they'd have won the league. So... It's not like, yes, Bayern have been dominating the Bundesliga, but it's not like Bayern Munich have been winning it by 30 points recently and it is quite competitive. I personally still think Bayern Munich can win that league because Leverkusen... It's a bit like Arsenal last year, isn't it? They're the, the inexperienced horse that's got to run the race, whereas Bayern know exactly what they're doing. So I don't think it's over yet. And I certainly don't think Harry Kane can be judged on something that realistically nobody really could have predicted. Of course, if he was in that Spurs side playing how it is, they might, be, they might be in a title race, but nobody was going to predict that. And I'm sure Spurs have benefited from the money from Harry Kane as well, which may may, have, may or may not led to them buying some of the players they did. So it's, it's swings and roundabouts. Anyway, to cut a long story short, my Prat of the Week is Douglas Louise for dancing like a prat at 1-1 and then ending up with a big pie in his face. You're a prat, he's a prat, she's a prat, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three... Right, Okay. Um, I'm I'm not going to play Guess Who in a minute, but I will give you who my Guess Who was going to be because it was quite a lazy one, but um, as Will's listening, it might just piss him off thinking he might have got it. So we will throw in a Guess Who, which was going to be mine, but we've got a few either-ors here that I just want to throw into the show as well. So Declan Rice or Rodri? Well, this is very, very easy for me. I think Declan Rice is potentially a Player of the Year contender. Who have you got as your early player of the year contenders, actually? Because I think Declan Rice has to be considered, but so does Rodri. So, yeah, it's a good either or, but I would go that Rodri is the best because he is the best holding midfielder in the world. He just won the treble. That Man City side, when he's not in it, loses games, as we've seen back in the autumn. So I would go Rodri over Declan Rice. But in no way, shape or form, am I saying that Declan Rice hasn't had a brilliant season. He's so important for Arsenal. And I think if you take him out of the Arsenal team, they would struggle as well. So again, it's another exciting England talent that's going to be going into the Euros, who is doing fantastically well in the Premier League. And he's mixing it up in an either-or with Rodri. who's the best holding midfielder in the league. So take the compliment, Declan. But Rodri's better than Yao at the moment. Um, this one's a bit odd. It's a bit of a recency bias one. De Zerbe, last year's hot take against Xavi Alonso, this year's hot take. I, I I, can't do this. You'll have to say it in the chat. I, I don't know. Uh, I think Brighton this year have had a horrific injury problems. I think being in Europe as well has been a, a new experience for them and yet they're still in the top half of the table so a lot of people writing Brighton off and Derby off I still think they're a good team and I think there's mitigating circumstances Xavi Alonso at Leverkusen is top of the Bundesliga but the Bundesliga is not the Premier League quite literally one's in Germany one's in England and it's hard to say who the better coach is on recency bias of course it's Xavi Alonso but let's compare these two next season when circumstances may be very very different Um, Do we need to revisit the Saka versus Foden after the week they've had? Well, I can't remember what I said last week. I think I said Saka, in which case I'm a genius because it was recency biased to go with Foden. I think over the last three years, Saka has been far more influential to Arsenal than Man City has uh, utilised Foden. Um, Saka is the Salah of Arsenal. Saka is the De Bruyne of Arsenal. And in the sense that he is the player that carries a lot of weight on his shoulders he is the, he's the star of that team. Whereas Phil Foden, he's not the star of the Man City team. So I, I, I still think it's Saka, 100%. I really, really do. Um, right, we are moving close towards the end of this show, which feels like I've been talking for an hour, but obviously I'm doing it on my own. So I haven't been talking for an hour at all. I might have been talking, I don't know how long I've been talking for. But before we do that, I wanted to bring something in from myself. Who will be the next manager to get sacked in the Premier League? This Premier League season has had hardly any sackings. In fact, I think we've only had two. Steve Cooper and Heggenbotham at Sheffield United. That is a ridiculously low number for the Premier League. Really, really low. But who do you think, if any, will be sacked next? Now, remember, let's hark back to the start of the season when I went with one of the most out-there predictions On the podcast, I said that Roy Hodgson would be sacked as the first manager to be sacked. And I was told by everybody, never going to happen. Never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Well, it might not happen, but let's be honest, that was a good prediction because he is severely under pressure. And by the time this podcast goes out, we haven't got the Chelsea Crystal Palace result at Sellers Park. But if he's lost that, he may be even closer to the sack. But I think what Palace are trying to do there is just get by to the summer and be respectful. And I get that. You know Roy Hodgson's a, a very well-respected man in the game, and I think the ideal situation is they get to the summer and then move him on in a in a, in a nice, um, respectful way and manner. But that might not become a problem. That might become a problem for them if they continue to lose games because they are only four, five points off the relegation drop, and it's it's not acceptable. It's not good enough, and there's a lot of unhappiness at Crystal Palace at the moment. So maybe Roy Hodgson. Is a factor, But other than that, I can't really see anyone else getting sacked. I mean, Sheffield United won't sack another manager. Burnley are in love with Vincent Kompany, so they won't sack him, even though I would. Daichi's not going to get the sack. Rob Edwards is not going to get the sack at Luton. Um, Forrest have already sacked a manager, so they won't do it. Thomas Frank's not going to get the sack. The Bournemouth coach, the Fulham coach. So, to be honest with you, I quite like it in a way. There's a lot of stability in the Premier League with their managers this season. And I would probably say... No one's going to get sacked or Hodgson will get sacked this season. That's the only thing I can see. So uh, there we go. Um, I've got a question here as well. Who would you most like to see perform at half-time in the Carabao Cup final? Well, it's the Carabao Cup final. It's not the Super Bowl. So um, we'd probably be lucky to get Olly Murs, although he'd love to do the Carabao Cup final. He'll do anything. But um, I presume this is to do with the Super Bowl and the elements you'd like to see brought into the Premier League. Look, I think it's I think how long they sit I mean it's about half an hour in it in the Super Bowl with usher the other night uh Rihanna last year um in football that's probably too long to be sat down doing nothing, isn't it? I think they'd have to get the players to do you know do a bit of dancing to keep themselves warmed up, but um yeah, look I, I think the way the Super Bowl works is really good, but I think in the Premier League, I'd leave it. I don't want any of that in that, but if you're gonna do it, and I said this on my Super Bowl watch along. You've got to go for anthems. I think people like Rihanna and Usher, good music, but does it work in a sports stadium? I think you need something like The Killers or Bon Jovi or, you know, you can't have Queen, Freddie Mercury's dead, but, you know, real good Get them going, anthem music. That's what I think you need. That's what that's what I think sport needs if you're going to do anything like that. And that's my two pennies worth. Right, I'm going to do my guess who here. Um, overall, I'm winning eight three. So I'm I, I'm partial to say that if Will gets this, he can just have it out of pure sympathy. But um, he pro- I'm not going to I'm not going to do his. But I will do yours. I know a lot of people like this at home, so I will tell you. I'm going to give you all five clues, and then you can what you get it on, you know at home. Okay. So clue one, who am I? Guess who? I have 38 caps for England and I'm currently 46 years of age. Obviously he's not still playing. So 38 caps for England and 46 years of age. Get your guesses in your head. Have a little think. That's what it's all about. I know. And I'll go on to clue two. So 38 caps for England and 46 now. Who am I? Um, Second clue I've won the FA Cup twice in 01 and 06. He has won other things, but the second clue is giving you specifics about the FA Cup. So 38 caps for England, 46 now. Won the FA Cup in 01 and 06, which should lead you into a certain area if you know who won the FA Cup in 01 and 06. I'm trying to think, of, well, well, I know the answer because I've bloody come up with it, but would I have known it on the, well? I've, I think I'd I definitely know who won it in 01, and with 38 caps for England, I'd know they're English. Yeah, I don't know whether I would know that, but I think it is quite logical. You should be getting it by now. Right, clue three is the rest of his honours. He won the League Cup three times and the UEFA Cup and he won the Champions League in 2005. So when you combine it all together, 38 caps for England, 46, won the FA Cup twice, the League Cup three times, the UEFA Cup and the Champions League. He won the FA Cup in 01 and 06 and he won the Champions League in 05. Now you should know what club that is now. You should know what club that is. Realistically, you should know what it is. Clue four. If I had a cherry pip in my mouth, I'd definitely spit it out. If I had a cherry pip in my mouth, I'd definitely spit it out. That's clue four. Clue five. I'm a mainstream pundit on TV from Liverpool. If you don't know this, quit the podcast, quit football and take up another sport because it's it's bloody easy. It's easy now. Of course it is. It's all about the structure. I look at that Manchester United side and I'm looking at the players. I'm not looking at the manager. It's all about the structure. It's, of course, Jamie Carragher. There we go. And uh, 46 years of age, Jamie Carragher. 38 caps for England. Won a lot of trophies. Didn't win the Premier League though, did you? Uh, fantastic. Okay, look... Uh, Legends in the chat. absolute not the chat. Legends for listening. It's been a tough podcast to do on my own, um, but the show must go on. And I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. We still have a big reveal coming, by the way. Um, Uh, It was meant to be today, but obviously with no will, we've not been able to do it. So Friday's podcast is definitely one to keep an eye on. Do not forget to give us a follow and five stars if you haven't done that. And also, more importantly, give us your top five Premier League players at the moment. Uh, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that as well. Um, What are your thoughts on the AR? And its impact on the relegation battle as well as the title now we never even spoke about blue cards maybe we can do that on friday i'm hearing more and more crap about that but thanks everyone for listening everyone you've been absolutely incredible and i hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll be back as normal on friday take care